Father, thank you for your purposes and your promises. Thanks for your word that it it tells us what you want and how you think and about the kind of relationship you want to have with us. Um, those things are really good to be able to cling to when we are in seasons of uncertainty as we are now. Um, thank you for the fact that you um, your word never changes. In Jesus' name, amen. We're, we're bringing our series on the Ten Commitments to a close. Um, <clears throat> when we look at the Bible, what we find is that there is the same command that are, that's found both in the Old Testament and the New Testament of the Bible. If you try to put your finger on what the Bible wants us to do, it would be this, to express our faith through love. So it begins with faith and expressing faith through love. And what that means, faithless love, love that's not rooted in faith, that's not really what the Bible has to say, or loveless faith. That faith that doesn't lead to love, if we really want to understand what the Bible tells us relative, what does God want from us? He wants us to put our faith in him and to express that faith through loving other people. Um, all the major biblical writers agree with this. Um, and that really tells us about the what. But you know when we talk about faith, faith in what? You can talk about faith in a lot of things, faith in governments or faith in people. What does it mean when God says he wants us to express our faith in love? Faith in what? Let me read you a verse that, that's going to tell us that he wants us to put our faith in his promises. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 4, it says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So what it describes then is that God wants us to participate in his nature, to do the things that he wants us to do and escape the corruption in the world caused by desires. So if we're going to do the do's and not do the don'ts, what he gives us is his very great and precious promises. So what are we supposed to put our faith in? In order to express our faith through love, we put our faith in his promises. But it's a little bit confusing because there are two sets of promises in the Bible that we can place our faith in. There are old promises and there are new promises. It talks in the book of Hebrews about this. Chapter 8, verse 6. It says the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is mediator, is superior to the old one. And it is founded on better promises. So what it describes then, there's 
the Old Covenant and the New, and we've talked about that, and the Old Covenant represents old promises, and the New Covenant represents better promises. So the New Covenant is associated, it's a superior covenant, with better promises. God made the New Covenant to replace the old one. The old was never meant to be permanent. It was always God's intention to replace it with the new. We're going to see that, and this kind of ties up our treatment of the Ten Commitments because those are directly related to the new covenant that God establishes with us. That represents a change in messenger and a change in message. What does it mean that God inaugurated a new covenant it means that we have a new mess we have a new messenger and new messages um, we have a new messenger the new covenant represents a change in messenger god's son replaces god's angels in the book of exodus it talks about the nature of the leadership when angels were involved this is what it says God says, see, I am sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way and to bring you to the place I have prepared. Pay attention to him and listen to what he says. Do not rebel against him. He will not forgive your rebellion since my name is in him. The messengers in the Old Testament tended to be unsympathetic and um, kind of harsh, unforgiving. And in the New Covenant, it's very different. This is what it says, and this is the verse we looked at that is the basis of the first four commitments, which are God sees you, God sympathizes with you, God deals gently with you, and God loves you. Those come from this passage in Hebrews 4. Here's what it says. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who was unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. That passage Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, describes Jesus and the differences that his leadership brings as the inaugurator of the new covenant. And again, we have one who sees us, who sympathizes with us, who deals gently with us, and who loves us. And understanding and believing in that leadership is part of how we are able to grow to be people who express our faith through love. The new covenant doesn't just reflect a change in messenger. It reflects a change in message as well. It's what it says, describing the difference between the old and the new. In Hebrews 7.12, it says, For when there is a change of the priesthood, there must also be a change of the law. The former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless, for the law made nothing perfect, and a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. The problem with 
the old covenant, it's expresses here is that it commanded certain things, but it didn't bring with it the ability to change people so that they could do those things. So what it's describing then, in that sense, the law was weak, and it says, and useless. It was not able to consistently develop people who could express their faith through love. Um, the new covenant replaces the old covenant, and here's what it says in Hebrews chapter 8, talking about the nature of the new covenant. Um, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. By calling this, new, by calling this covenant new, he had made the first one obsolete. And what is obsolete and aging will soon disappear. This passage is the focus of commitments 5 through 8, which is God changes you, God chooses you, good's ahead of you, and good is guaranteed. These, these promises are the basis of the new covenant. And if you recognize, we've talked about this before, but it's important to see there are no ifs in the new covenant. God says, I will put my law in your mind and write it on your heart. I will be your God and you will be my people. I will cause you to know me. I will forgive your wickedness and will remember your sins no more. In the old covenant, there are ifs. And when there are ifs, if we do this, then God will do this. If we do that, when God will do that, that type of influence doesn't lead us to be able to express our faith through love. But when God says, I will put my law in your mind and write it on your hearts, I will be your God. I will cause you to know me. I will forgive your wickedness. As that sinks into our mind, what it ends up doing, it allows us to breathe, to be able to be confident that God will keep those promises because there's no conditions. It doesn't say, if you, then I will. It says, I will. And so these promises are firm and they are things that we can put our the weight of our faith in. Uh, no conditions, they're unconditional. Uh, perceiving and believing the new covenant transforms us. But it's important to understand that what transformation looks like is that we have the power to persevere and the power to be content. When we embrace the Ten Commitments, the reason why we do so is not to eliminate tension. There will always be tension in our lives on this side of going to heaven. In our worlds and in our lives, there will always be things that we have that we don't want to have. We'll always have things where we do what we don't want to do, where we feel what we don't want to feel, and where we think what we don't want to think. The reason why we grasp God's commitments to us 
is not to try to get rid of the tension we experience. It's that so that we can endure it. It's easier to walk through something when you don't walk through it alone. We're going through things now with COVID and we're wondering how long it's going to last and it's really going to change our holiday season. It, it's going to create difficulties for many people. They're not going to be able to travel. They're not going to be able to provide what they want. It's hard to walk through difficult things. And what God says, I see you. I understand why and how this is difficult for you. I see you. I sympathize with you. Because Jesus came, he knows what it's like to live in a human body. Angels don't, but Jesus does. And so he understands what it's like when we feel isolated and when we feel sick. He sympathizes with us. He deals gently with us and he loves us. When you're in a situation where you're struggling, to know that he sees and sympathizes and deals gently and loves allows us to breathe. Not only that, he says, I change you. And he says, his responsibility is to make you the person he wants you to be. He chooses you. Good is ahead of you, and good is guaranteed to you. This is something rock solid. Now, we're going to walk through difficult things. You are going to end up in a good place. Because he's a good shepherd. See, sometimes we walk a road, and when things are difficult around us, we look and say, this is a bad road. This is a bad place. I'm in a bad place. I'm, I'm in this place where I'm exposed to all these things, and it's a bad place. But as we've talked about it before, sheep, they really aren't in a good position to determine what is a good road or a bad road. The right question for a sheep to ask is not, is this a good road or a bad road, but do I have a good shepherd? Because if you have a good shepherd, it's his responsibility to get you to a good place, and we do. That's because we have a new messenger, Jesus, whose message is the message of the new covenant. Um, you know what? We've talked about this before, and we've heard it, and you might say, I know this. The Bible doesn't tell us to express knowledge through love. It tells us to express our faith through love. See, it's not really a question of whether we know these things or not. It's a question of whether we believe them. What's the difference between knowing something and believing something? When you believe something, you apply it. You're putting your, you're, you could know that these chairs will hold you up. But the difference between knowing and believing is when you put your weight on the chair, when you, when, you, when you entrust your weight to it. That's what God wants us to do with his promises. And the new covenant promises, when we put our weight on them, they, they change us. Um, what's the difference between believing and knowing? I think it would be the difference between gazing and glancing. What we tend to do we tend to gaze at our circumstances and glance at God's commitments and promises. When we do that, that's a sign that we've got our gaze and glance upside down. Faith does not grow when we direct it at ourselves. Faith grows 
when we direct it to the object of our faith, which is God. We don't develop our faith by looking at our lives and looking at our feelings and looking at our behaviors. We develop faith by putting our faith in his promises. And when we do that, when we put our faith in his promises, when we gaze at his promises and glance at our behaviors, that's putting our gaze and glance in the, in the right perspective. So it's my suggestion for us as we move through the holiday season and into very unsure times, gaze at his commitments and be aware of his commandments, but don't gaze at his commandments because their ability to change you into a person who expresses your faith through love It's not possible. What we saw, the the commandments are weak and useless. They cannot help us to do what it is that God wants us to do. So don't gaze at the commandments. That That doesn't work. Gaze at his commitments and glance at his commandments. And what does that mean for us again? It doesn't mean that you have to that you're tension free, you can be worried, but think about not what you're feeling and thinking, but what he's promising. He does see you. He does sympathize with you. Think about that. That he deals gently with you. And he loves you. Think about his promise. He promises to change you. He says he chooses you. He tells you that good is ahead of you and good's guaranteed. And that he gives you the power to persevere and the power to be content. Adjust your gaze and glance. We'll root your faith in his promises rather than in your performance. And over time, this will transform you. Let me pray for us. Father, we do live in uncertain times. And the threat of sickness and different things that accompany it are hard to deal with. As months go by and our routines are changed, it it impacts us. Thank you for your commitments to us. And in times like this, your commitments are more precious. I pray that you would help us to gaze at them. We're going to look around at circumstance and we're going to look around at things that frighten us and we're going to look around. We cannot not do that. I pray, though, you'd give us an increasing ability to not just notice our circumstances, but notice your covenant promises to us, your commitments to us. I pray that as we look at these things, I know that as we look at these things, they will transform our hearts. Thanks for that. Jesus name. Amen.